It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. In the Word today, we are in Mark chapter number 13. Now, a little bit of background once again. It's the Passion Week. It's the last week of Christ's life on earth before his crucifixion. And they're leaving the temple. At the end of chapter 12, the very last thing that happened is they were in the temple in Jerusalem, and Jesus was beholding a widow, throwing in a couple of mites, a few cents, into the treasury. And he used her as an example of showing that she actually was giving more than others because she was giving all that she had, not just out of her overflow. In other words, she just wasn't showing up when it was convenient. She was showing up when it was not convenient. She was giving when she really didn't have it to give. But then it says at the beginning of verse 13, as they were leaving the temple, one of the disciples started talking about the stones that the temple was built out of, probably how beautiful it was and all. And then Jesus told them how the temple would be destroyed. And they started asking Jesus questions about the statement he made there in verse 2. And the two questions they asked were basically, when will these things be? When is this temple going to be destroyed? And then what is the sign of your coming going to be? Very much parallels the Olivet Discourse you find over in Matthew 24 as well. So when is this temple coming down and what's the sign of your coming going to be? And the, the temple coming down happened in AD 70. We know that. That's historical. And the return of Christ has not yet happened, so that's prophetic. So we're between these two answers. And so Jesus starts answering these questions, and after a lot of information he gives them throughout this chapter, in verse 32, he really concludes the chapter with the parable of the doorkeeper or the potter. And I'm going to begin reading there this morning in Mark 13 in verse 32. It says, But of the day and the hour knows no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house, and he gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work. And he commanded the porter, or the doorkeeper, to watch. Watch, therefore, for you know not when the master of the house comes, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now that last statement is powerful to me because he's talking to these disciples, the apostles directly, but he says, what I say to you directly, I'm actually saying to everyone indirectly. That means he's saying this to us, right? He's saying to every person in every generation that would ever have a hope of Christ's return to be in an attitude of watching, an attitude of expectancy. Now, I realize we could get into a whole lot of talk here about the differences between the passages on the rapture, the passages on the second coming, not really trying to get that deep this morning. Remember, this is a devotional journey through the New Testament. So, We see in this parable that the Son of Man is the man on the journey. He says, um, take heed and pray, for the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. So it's very easy to interpret. Jesus is the landowner in the parable that goes on a far journey. And he leaves some stewardship to his servants. He left them really three things. 
It says he left them his house, he left them his authority, and he left them his work. And so, you know, once again, without getting into detail, let's consider the responsibilities that we've been given by Jesus in his absence. Uh, his house, man, the house of the Lord, right? Uh, the church, which is the, the pillar of the truth. Uh, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in this age of grace and the absence of Christ until his return, um, we have the church age. We have the responsibility to do the work of the Lord primarily through the church and with people that are connected to churches. So a very important part of our stewardship is the church. And then he said he left them his authority. And we've been doing this series at Fellowship on Sunday mornings about the name of Jesus and the authority of the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. We talked about the authority in that name, the authority to live in his name. Um, we talked last week, Trevor did a great job about the authority of praying in the name of Jesus. And if you didn't catch Sunday morning sermon by Pastor Trevor, man, you need to go back either at Fellowship 301 here on Facebook or on YouTube and listen to that message. Man, what a powerful message on the authority of Christ in prayer. And I loved his personal illustration about his relationship with his wife. I really felt like that landed the airplane of the truth. So he talks about that, but then he says this, which really caught my attention. He says, and he commanded the porter or the doorkeeper to watch. And I'm thinking, well, who in the world is the doorkeeper? What is he doing here? And then lastly, he talked about four different watches in verse 35. He says, you don't know when the master of the house is gonna come, at evening or at midnight, the cock growing or in the morning. And what he does there, he brings in some Roman culture and he gives the four watches of the night. So from six o'clock at night till nine o'clock at night, that would have been considered the evening watch. From nine to midnight, that would have been the midnight watch. From midnight to 3 a.m., that would have been the cock crowing watch. And from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., that would have been the morning watch. So basically, he likens his return to a time of day when most people would not be expecting it. It would only be the most vigilant that would be living in expectancy at times like that. I think that is instructive because I think there's so much in the world to take our mind and our heart and our thinking away from the return of Christ, which is our blessed hope, which is the thing we ought to be latching onto. And in Timothy, we're even promised a reward for loving his appearing. And so, but Jesus likens his return to a time of day when most people would be not paying attention. But being counterculture as Christ always is, what does he tell us to do? Pay attention when no one else is paying attention. Pay attention when it seems like maybe there's not anything to be looking for. Pay attention, watch. And so he left his house, his authority, his work. He left a porter along with his servants. And then he talked about the four watches. And then as I said, he applied this parable in verse 37. He says, what I say to you, I say to all. So this is a parable for everyone. Now, the thing that jumped out of me this out at me this morning um, was the doorkeeper. Who is the doorkeeper? Now, historically, a doorkeeper in that culture would have been a prestigious position. It typically would have been a house servant, but one with high rank and one with great trust. And the doorkeeper was not just responsible like a butler to see who's coming into the house but also for the house itself. 
The porter was responsible for the well-being of the house, guarding the house, safeguarding it against thieves. So it was a position of great respect and privilege, but man, it was a, a position of great responsibility as well. So who's the doorkeeper? Well, it's not Jesus because Jesus is the one on the journey. So it's not Jesus. Um, there's another parable about a sheepfold that's very similar to this. And there's a guy guarding the sheepfold. And that one there, that's John the Baptist. And that's Israel. But it's not that because John is beheaded. He's gone. So who is it? And you know, there's not a real clear thing. Now, many have suggested that the porter is representative of uh, every elder or pastor in the generations to come. So those who took over beyond the generation of the apostles. So the porter, the porter's the pastor. The porter is the shepherd. The porter is the overseer. He's the elder. Now that ties in very well because the responsibility of the elders and the leaders is very much what he said here because over in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, he was talking about obeying them that have the rule over you. And he says, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. So clearly, shepherds of the flock, the pastors, the elders, the overseer of the church, man, they are clearly porters. They are clearly doorkeepers and have those same responsibilities. So I was reading it, I'm thinking about it, but then my mind just went even broader. And remember, Mornings in the Word is a devotional journey through the New Testament. So we know the context, we know the doctrinal application is about the second coming of Christ to his servants. But then I'm drawing out an application here that's even broader. And for me, man, the porter is all those who care for the church. Anyone who takes responsibility to safeguard the churches, to love the church, to care for the church, to serve the church. And in my mind, I thought so much about this era of COVID, these last two years. And I thought about how the doors were shut for a little bit and then opened, but how even today, the attendance of return has been ebbing and flowing. And you have good moments, you have bad moments, you have high moments, you have low moments. The one thing that has been consistent over COVID is I've never seen Christians more inconsistent. Now, some of that inconsistency is absolutely necessary. It's safeguarding against illness or just those with vulnerabilities. But unfortunately, a lot of it has just been carelessness. It's, I think, easy today because of the COVID. You know, you're not going to be missed if you're gone. You're not going to. But you know what has really been such a blessing to me in this season of inconsistency? It's um, There's been a group that's just kept things going. I'm going to call them the doorkeepers. Man, there are those who have just showed up. I think about the singers and the musicians in our church, how from day one of the doors opening, man, they showed up when no one else was showing up. And they showed up to do three services and they were showing up at seven something in the morning and they were staying. And you know what? They're still showing up. I don't know that there's a more consistent group in our church than those in music and media. Just doorkeepers, man, just showing up. I think about the people who concerned about hospitality and greeting people at the door as they come in. Man, I, I think of Gwen and, and, and I think of Sylvia Smith, man. I think of their team just showing up, man. 
I think of even something as simple as the cafe and people caring that when people come, they're man, welcomed with a cup of coffee and a good environment. I think about Annabeth, my little daughter and her team, and man, people just showing up. I think about life group leaders. I think about volunteers in, in kids' ministry, and I'm not even talking about the pastors and staff who have absolutely been gold during this time. You know, when so many have found reasons not to show up, valid and invalid, man, there's just been a group of people that have just been there. Man, imperfectly being there, um, less resources to be there, less components. Man, in many ways, our worship service got boiled down to music and a message. Can't shake hands right now, right? We don't even pass an offering anymore, right? Because we're concerned about people. I mean, the choir doesn't really sing very much because it's hard to gather the choir back now because of everything. So, so many components that made us, our identity, what we were, has been reduced to a couple of components. But I think often, rather than people seeing that as, man, let's hear it for the doorkeepers, it's moaning and groaning about what's missing and what they don't have, as if the doorkeepers don't want the same things. So I was just thinking about this this morning, and I thought, man, in this devotion, I just wanted to say this, let's hear it for the doorkeepers. Let's hear it for the men and women in this era of COVID that have just kept things going when so many have been willing to let them keep things going. And others have been willing to sit on the sideline and let them do what they're doing. So I applaud the doorkeepers. No criticism from me, nothing but accolades. I think about just this Sunday, man, last minute I had to pull out. Last minute, some of the singers had to pull out. And you never know what's going on behind the scene on any given weekend. The maneuvering that is good. I heard one person criticizing one weekend about how boring the music was, and they had no idea how many people were gone that weekend. How do we had to go with the, the most simple songs we had because we had to pull in volunteers at the last minute and how there wasn't a lot of confidence. But I didn't defend it. I didn't tell them that. I just applauded the doorkeepers. And so this morning, the word for the day is this. Let's hear it for the doorkeepers. Let's hold and express gratitude for those who have continued to make it work for all of the rest of us. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.